Music as a healer. There are many stories I could recall here where music has healed or even saved me. Or I've seen it bring some level of healing to another person. Sometimes I've been privileged enough to be the one playing the music that has caused someone to stop and engage with it. And on occasion I've had people ask me what it is I'm playing because the music they have found to be very beautiful. I must admit those times, and there haven't been too many, have been very humbling, inspiring and moving for me as I've been the composer of the piece in question. But this time I want to talk about someone else. I was present and in fact part of the experience. But the young man, or really he was a boy, who was our protagonist, is the one we need to focus on in this episode. Now given the nature of this story, I'm going to change his name and leave out certain elements to give some distance from this person. I think you'll agree on why I've done this um, as you find out more about him. But the essence of what happened is, is what I really want to focus on. Some years ago, I was approached by a community centre to help establish a recording facility and from there coordinate a series of songwriting and recording sessions by the young musicians in the area. The end goal was to release a CD of their original works. Now, some of the kids were hilarious. Some of the songs were too. And then there was the dad of the young girl who kept dropping in, uh, you know, at all times with his harmonica. Almost every time I was there, he'd pop in, just wondering if someone needed some harmonica on one of their tracks. Most weeks when he did just drop in unannounced, he would also suggest that perhaps he should record something of his own. Now, I was actually under very strict orders to keep it youth-orientated. He certainly didn't fit that brief. There was one boy who was there that was a little different to the others. Softly spoken, shy, somewhat awkward. He looked like Ali G most of the time in the way he dressed. This, the whole sort of, uh, you know, snow parker, ski outfit thing doesn't really work in an Australian summer environment. In this recount, I'm going to call him Marshall, as he was a huge fan of Eminem. Marshall carried a briefcase with him every time I saw him. Inside were hundreds, if not thousands, of pieces of paper with lyrics and poems. Some were complete, others were just random lines written on a scrap of paper so as not to be lost. He was a prodigious writer. He showed me some. Not all of it was great, some of it was terrible, but it was important for him to be able to jot down his ideas and express what he'd been through. You'll find out more about that very soon. In our first few sessions together, we worked on some ideas for the track that he would perform over. He was reluctant to say much beyond whether or not he liked the ideas I brought forth to the sessions. Marshall had not worked on composing music prior to this, and didn't have any real understanding of music in terms of structure, rhythm, beat, or tempo. I had to work hard with him to encourage feedback and suggestions in order to best create something that he would be happy with. Eventually, we got there. During his next session, Marshall made his first attempt at recording vocals. He was happy enough with the experience, but felt something was lacking in what he had done. To be honest, I, I can't actually remember what he did that first time. I do recall we didn't have a complete song recorded, and so he booked in another session for me for the following week. 
in that next session, he was very excited to tell me he'd written something, some, some more lyrics for a new track, or sorry, for a new song, and he was keen to put them down. As we started getting ready to record a vocal tape, Marshall opened up a little to me about his childhood. It was horrific, and it left me angry, confused and upset by what the poor kid had endured. His father had suicided when he was a young boy in an act of revenge aimed at his mother. Marshall's mother was very promiscuous, to say the least. His father decided to end his life in the lounge room one day when Marshall was at school and expected his mother to find the body there when she came home. But it didn't work out that way. His mother had gone off with one of her lovers, leaving the little boy to walk home by himself from the school. He'd been given a key to the house when he was just five years old in case his mother could not pick him up. From what I understand, his mother was very unreliable and often off with one or perhaps several men at a time, so he was often left to his own devices from that age. He was only seven or eight on the day he found his father's body in the lounge room. How does a child recover from such a thing? How does anyone recover from such a thing? I don't know. I won't repeat what else he said about his mother that day, but it was an account of how she acted and how appalled and angry he was with her. To hear this recount from a shy, awkward boy put many things into perspective for me. I was overcome with a desire to just hug him, which I didn't, as it would have been an immediate expulsion or dismissal from the position I had with the community centre. I understand why they have that in place. All I could think of was what this boy, poor boy had been through and wonder how anyone, as I said just before, could survive such a thing. I listened in silence with only my nodding to acknowledge what he was telling me. I'm not trained for such things and I felt it would be wrong for me to, in, for me to inject in, in, interject sorry, in any way, shape or form as Marshall told me his story. He finished, and then he was very keen to get into the vocal booth and put down his new lyrics. He was far more animated than usual that day. I didn't actually see the lyrics beforehand. So he entered into the room. We set up the level for the mic input gain, and I hit record. The track, the track started, and then the loudest primal scream I have ever heard ripped through the monitors in the control room. The track clipped immediately and then he screamed once more. I, I was going to try and scream, I've had a really bad cold, I won't do it, but the lyrics were, Saddam Hussein, I'm going to fuck you up the ass to teach you a lesson. There were more lyrics that came out, delivered with as much venom and frustration and anger as that line. To be honest, I didn't really take them in. My head hit the desk as I tried to suppress the laugh that was so desperately fighting to come out. It was such a transformation from this shy and awkward boy. I feigned having a coughing fit needing to get some water. I walked out, ducked into one of the staff offices, closed the door and burst out laughing. After a few minutes, I was able to regain a modicum of, modicum of control. I went back in. I desperately wanted to keep a straight face as we talked about setting levels for recording and that the recording engineer needed to have some idea of the signal strength before the recording started, 
or the track would be heavily distorted and probably unusable. Marshall laughed when I told him this. I had him go back into the booth and I told him to really let fly. Just scream as loud as you want, I told him. And from that, I would set an appropriate level for the mic. And he did not disappoint. So now we were ready for take two. His mannerisms changed as he screamed into the mic for a few minutes. Unleashing this anger and pent up rage about a number of topical issues for the time. And at the end, there was a boy standing in the control booth with a massive smile on his face. The chance to express himself through words and music was so very cathartic for this young man. The pain, the anger, the rage, all came out in those lyrics and those screams. It was so very moving to see the power of music work in such a way. After we listened back to the track, he was pretty happy with most of it. In fact, I think he was more than happy. There were a few sections that needed to be redone, but we may have maybe 90% of the take that was now pretty much finished. He didn't really have much of a voice left, and, so, and time was getting by, so we booked in another session for the next week, and off he went. I had a few more kids that night that worked on their songs, and when I finished, the manager came in to see me. Marshall had gone straight to her office, following our time together, to let me know how good it was. She then told me she'd never seen him so happy in the few years that she'd known him. And that was exactly what this whole project was about. Yep, releasing music, etc. is great, but the kids actually experiencing something positive, being able to express whatever they needed, amazing. In his act of creation, this boy had allowed all his pain to come through his work. His screams and yelling were moments of healing as he let it all out. I don't know if he'd ever allowed himself to be that free before, to be so personal in his expression. But it was a privilege to witness the power of music creation and the inherent healing that was going on within this act of screaming and yelling and anger. Music is one of the few things that can be present in every stage of our lives and in every aspect of our lives. And our engagement with music can give, us so, can give so much more to our lives. It truly is food for the soul. If you have even the smallest inkling of wanting to play music, then I thoroughly encourage you to pursue it. You don't have to be good at it and you don't have to care what other people say you'll still enjoy it and you can benefit greatly from it. You'll learn more about yourself, you'll have a sense of achievement, you'll explore your creative side, you'll have fun and it feels good. And if you want music to be more than that, it is experiences such as this that may very well sustain you in your pursuit of, a music, of music as a career. Music as a profession can be challenging, yet incredibly rewarding. <laughs>